everybody, and welcome to Improv FAQ at length. This is a series of longer conversations about improv topics that have lots of questions surrounding them. And I'm James Quesada. I'm Bob Wick. Ah, caught you off guard. We've never done that before. <laughs> we have never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> we should, though. I, mean, <laughs> I'm j- I don't mind it. I don't mind. I was going in for the dramatic pause. That's yeah. <laughs> And I'm... Um, Bob Wick. Yeah. But uh, that's who we are. And uh, <laughs> more often than not, we've been having a guest. But on the episodes where we don't have guests, Bob and I make our way through a list of suggested questions from a group of friends of ours. And uh, we, we answer those. So um, we're going to keep making our, making our way through that list. And our question for this episode, the one we're going to start with and see how long uh, we can take with it and we will have other questions on deck uh we're going to start with ainsley's question our friend ainsley ainsley yeah suggested that uh the question of um advice for what to do when you have an established character and the character needs Mm -hmm. to turn or have a change of heart or mind how do you time the change and justify it gracefully so it doesn't feel like a shock to the audience or a betrayal of established reality? Uh, And that's a great question. That is a really good question. And I I think that's something that people struggle with. Uh, What do you think? Well, you know, we've touched on it a little bit in a couple other episodes. I want to say that we touched on it uh, in the acting episode, maybe in the um, character episode about, oh, and like narrative. And basically... I think that what the problem is or the uh, tricky thing about it is that you, you want to stick to your guns and keep things yeah. simple to what you've established um, and true to what you've established. And I think in instances where you're nearing the end of uh, like a scene arc yeah. or if you're working in narrative and you have a show arc, um, you know, all good stories are going to involve a character having a change <laughs> in their yes. actions or beliefs. Um, so. Well, ideally, like, if, especially if you're playing like a high test character, they should learn something and almost lose status. That's right. They should you know, learn. It's, yep. it, like learn, like, yeah, oh, I learned something about myself today type situation. So I just want to kind of uh, set, set up the, the, the problem of it or the, or the, uh, the challenge of it being that like, yeah, we, we train ourselves to be consistent and lock into uh, a character or a truth and uh, play that truth. And um, so this is a really great question for like, well, what happens when you need to evolve or learn something as a character? Yeah. Well, maybe the question is, why do you need to change it? You know, what, what is going on? And it could be something as simple as, well, it's a 45 minute show and we haven't, you know, we haven't done that character status shift yet. And it needs to happen for it to have a, a satisfying conclusion. If you're telling like a long narrative story. Yeah. Um, if that's the case, you, you, I mean, I guess you can switch, but you have to like, Maybe also imply uh, a justification as to why uh, if, if the character learned something that we didn't get, have time to show on stage or I don't know, like something or have like a, an emotional uh, reason for it. Like, oh, I realized I love the other character, therefore I should be treating that character better. So I'm dropping my status, elevating their status because, you know, love has a way of doing that kind of stuff. You know, yeah, it could also be some. Yeah. So so I think those are those are examples of when change is is good for a character and makes sense for storytelling. Um, There's also um, the instances that I know you've also pointed out in other episodes, Bob, where you're like, you're just trying to cooperate with the other players on stage. And you're like, you made this choice and you're yes ending things. And then your scene partner is like, uh I think I think the situation you gave was like, um, uh, open the door. I don't want to open the door. Open the door. I don't want to open the door. Okay. Well, you asked me three times. I guess I'll open the door. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it, right. something that, that just doesn't match with your character game or wants in uh, yep. the scene. And you have to 
break that to cooperate sometimes with um, with your scene partner to not feel like a yeah. stubborn jerk. <laughs> when there's yeah, when there's unnecessary push pull, when it, that's not part of the story or 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 even a game in the scene, it's just uh, two clashing point of views. Yeah. Um, but that's when you have like sentences like "I don't usually do this, but because I love you," is is a really good one. Yeah. Uh, so in those instances, it's like, well, I mean, take yourself as a human being. Like you do stuff that you don't wouldn't normally do because you care about the other character or, you know, in real life, they're not characters they're your friends. Um, I don't like roller coasters, but since my, all my friends are going to Cedar Point, I guess I'm going on a roller coaster today. You know? Yeah. I love that. Again, I, I, I love those those little tools that can just help you. Uh, navigate and, and transition and uh, reaffirm or find your way to the things that are needed in a scene, um, yeah. set up lines. And, and what you just said, I don't usually do this, but, and, and give it a justification is, I think that's a really great tool. Um, can also probably lead to some funny uh, discoveries uh, or just like uh, character truths that can be used and, and built on. Um, throughout the scene of the show. I guess my thing that I'll offer is um, just to express in your nonverbals the conflict um, in the change. If if it's more of like that narrative thing um, or like just it's it's the end of a conflict-driven scene and it just feels like that's the the button is going to be to have one character come around to a different point of view. Um, when, when people make decisions that are difficult or change their minds about something, you can see it on their faces in real life. And you, so if you just kind of give it milk that the nonverbal of, of like, okay. You know what I mean? Like, just, yeah, just yo, I it. like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the longer you do it, the funnier it will become because this is like, uh, you ever seen, have you ever seen the movie Buffy the Vampire uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Oh, the movie version, yeah, yeah. So oh, God, yeah. Paul Rubin, <laughs> Paul Rubin is a vampire. He's kind of like an antagonist during the whole thing. He's not the main guy, but he's kind of an asshole. Yeah. And he's a vampire, and at the end, he gets killed. And he gets killed like towards the end of the movie, and you don't really think about it. And then it, it cuts back after, or like during the credits, and he goes for it he is dying at a 10 and for a, a long amount it, it get, at first it's funny and it stops being funny and then it gets hilarious it just and it goes on and on Dude, and on i know exactly what you're talking about because he, he's got the wooden stake in him and he's like ah, right. ah, Ooh. yeah totally <laughs> kicking I, the wall I think, that's awesome. a, I think that's a great idea so so those are probably two really good options um to, to keep in your back pocket is one, a nice uh, transitional sentence that, that has a justification built into it. Um, and uh, secondly, to uh, just milk the game of the, the nonverbal, the uh, internal conflict change, the internal conflict. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. If I want to offer one thing though, um, one more thing. I, I, I honestly believe your character, if you have if you establish a strong character and your want and your point of view is very strong and it should be clear for the other performers. So I almost feel like it's their responsibility to teach that character something. If that's the point, you know, if that if, if your point of view has to change, something external has to happen, you know, and and that's usually when your mood or feelings or your point of view does does switch in real life. For example, uh, James, if you were waiting for me, you know, at, at, you know, for lunch and I'm always late and today I'm like 40 minutes late, you would be pissed because I'm really late and I'm always late and it sucks and it's annoying to have a friend who's always late. But if today, if, if, if you're sitting in that restaurant and I call you up like, man, I just got into a car accident. You are no longer pissed at me because now you learn new information that was given to you externally. You're 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 you become concerned, you know, like, oh, my God, my friend's hurt. Uh, yeah. You might even feel a little bit guilty because, oh, I was so mad at him. I didn't. But I didn't know. Yeah. So like 
it, it's up to the, your your fellow performers because if you feel like your character has to change, then it's probably the right time in the story, but it's not necessarily your responsibility to change your character. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where like um, the, the go-to line of acting is reacting or support your partner. There's kind of a, um, there's a, so, uh, I don't know if it's a paradox or what it, it, in that, uh, which is that like, well, in order to react, there's got to be something to react to. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, in order to su- support yeah. your partner, your partner's got to be doing something to support, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yes, it's, yes, it's, yes. it's definitely a two way street. And, um, and yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe it's, it's a great piece of advice on the flip side of, of the question, which is um, that if you're trying to get someone to change or drive the scene forward, you can also offer a reason to change. And that can be the justification um, right. So, so, uh, being able to feed the arc of a scene and the acting reacting loop from both sides is absolutely, yeah, a, a great thing to point out. Um, did you have any other things to, no, I think that pretty much covers it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause it. Okay, well, then we will go to our next question on the list. Next question. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, so, Kurt um, asks, what are, the, what are the most memorable notes you have received, and how did they impact your performance style? Uh, the first one, because I think it's, like, one of the ones that kind of changed the way I performed. Um, it was from, from Nancy, uh, Edwards or Nancy Hayden at the time. Um, cause she got married, you know, that's how last names work. <laughs> uh, uh, was don't go for the laugh so much. Sometimes and go for the awe moment or, uh, or, or appreciate, or I think her words were appreciate the awe moments because if you can create a character in a short amount of time that makes the audience go, ah, it's a lot harder and it's so satisfying because, you know, basically our job as improvisers is to manipulate the audience, you know, uh, their emotions, you know, you're trying to entertain That's a manipulation of emotion, you know, cause yeah, theoretically it's person comes in, buys a ticket, audience member comes in by the uh, <laughs> random person comes in, <laughs> buys a ticket sits down and they're kind of neutral, but they're hoping for something. Yeah. Uh, so if you're entertaining them, that's manipulation. And, uh, and you know, and you're giving them what they hope for. Uh, most people don't walk into a comedy show expecting to feel something more than, you know, happiness or laughter, like, but to make them go, ah, is really cool. And also like, if you can get that from an audience member, you get, you know, you earn their trust so you can do a lot more in front of them. Yeah, because they like you, you know, you're endearing as a performer to them because you made them feel something they didn't expect to feel. Yeah, so, the I, I feel like you're good at that, too. I feel like I've seen you do those uh, quick turns, especially, you know, you play you play a, a fair amount of brash uh, or like, um, yeah, blunt characters, you know, uh, but sometimes you'll have you'll pull out that softer side uh, and be like, you know, I don't know who I would be without you. Uh, and then people I are love like, those. Yeah. like, Oh <laughs> yeah, that really is nice. It's, it's a, it's a nice extra dimension to, um, what we can do with improv. And, uh, I always like things that keep it dynamic and surprising for the audience. And, and yeah, that's a, that's a nice unexpected thing for an audience member to get from an improv show. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of extra dimensions, the one that came to mind for me is when Dan Izzo um, worked, put together a group of improvisers for a show called The Cowards. And uh, Dan had taken a break from directing improv for a little while. And uh, he came back uh, to just work on a show. And uh, man, it was just at, at the right timing for me where I was feeling like restless and, and doing uh, so much. And um, it was in that period where I was really working on 
that my mission statement of like, uh, do things a cartoon can do on stage. And, um, we were in rehearsal and, uh, Dan has this really uncanny ability to just like, uh, point and give you a note that just hits you to the core or rings true for you or yeah. Yeah. Opens, opens that's his superpower. Yeah. <laughs> But I I can't remember I can't remember exactly what the scene was. I think I think I was like uh, on the back of a truck and on a stripper pole or something. And uh, after the scene was done, he was he was like he was like James, you're like a three dimensional representation of a four dimensional object. <laughs> and um, I that really inspired me the fact that he phrased it that way uh, and that's that's a tesseract uh is the three-dimensional representation of a four-dimensional object um and that that really not not immediately because we were working on this show that was kind of annoying style and it was it, uh or you know it's dan style but like it's it's a lot of that yeah. just unbridled energy that we were working on and so uh it didn't it didn't really come into play for me immediately uh after that point, but it stuck with me for so long and it made me want to work on um, more shows and it developed my philosophy of what I want out of my own improv and out of um, the, the improv shows that I work on and, and develop and, and things like the Elastic Time Cannon. Um, in yeah. in, you know, and it made me look at, remember things like working on Laughter House 5 in that nonlinear time yeah. thing um, and uh, want to do things with, with uh, Troops like Presto Changer or Javelin that that uh, were more organic, transformative, um, and surreal. Cool. Okay. I I hear the note, but I, I guess I, the follow up question is: What exactly did the note mean to you? Yeah. Like, what, what click? Yeah. You know, what 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 switch did it click in your head? Like, what did what exactly? So, like, if you had to give that note to me, what would that mean? You know, somebody else, and you know. Well, okay, so it's kind of a, uh, this. This might be uh, a non-answer, but you know, we were we were saying that like Dan will give you the note that you need that that is feels right. very personal, and so so I guess it it's not that it like gave me any instruction, um, and, but I guess and then the short answer on it is that like it led me to my current belief right now that um, I think that the theater experiences that I want to create and be a part of are yeah. the kinds of experiences that have the same positive side effects as mind expanding drugs, psychedelic, uh, mind opening experiences. And it just kind of like phrased in a, in a different way for me. Um, this idea of, of what it means to be cartoony and like, why? Um, and yeah, it just made me want, want to get excited to find more ways to do that. Um, because yeah, it just felt like, wow, a, a tesseract or like conceptualizing the fourth dimension. That is like the mission in my mind of what we're doing with yeah. improv. <laughs> okay. That's so cool. Yeah. I never heard that story before. That's wild. Yeah. I man. love it. I think it does make sense though. Like, that's that's you in a nutshell but for someone to be able to sum that up in a in a sentence holy shit that's incredible yeah um okay like i like how you how you mentioned not all notes are instructional or you know now our theory and stuff like that it makes me think of you know me and you have been, been teaching for a while now and coaching and stuff like that and every once in a while i don't know why this phrase happened but the the theory that there's a hard note, like because both of the notes we mentioned weren't hard, they're just good. So I wish people would use that phrasing. Like, can you give me like, can you just give me a note? But I think there's some, I don't know, connection with like a military boot camp type, you know, yeah, instruction yeah, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> like suck it in, like, soldier. Yeah, tough, yeah. tough love. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I think with that theory is like. You know, don't ask for the hard note. Try to ask for a good note. And then also take the notes you're given. Yeah. Uh, I think that was a hard one for me. Like, 
I think, and I think for a lot of improvisers, when they first get started, you're, you're learning the art, but you also, because it's under comedy, I think people don't respect comedy enough because uh, everybody's had moment in their, everybody has moments in their life when they're funny or, you know, you, you, a lot of people who are not trained can make people laugh, but there's a difference between being the funny guy at work and then being an entertaining person on stage and, and realizing that is, is something interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, so like, yeah, just the, the note that I relate to when I was coming up was I was the funny guy at work. Uh, and then I, you know, I had actually several teachers like kind of help me ring it in. And the overall note was, you know, play to the height of your intelligence. You can talk about dirty things or, you know, you can go blue, but don't go blue for the shock value. Go blue and, and say something interesting about a subject that we're familiar with, you know, and, yeah. and phrase it interesting. Yeah. Um, um, are there any like aha moments maybe that didn't come directly from a note or a teacher, but that like you discovered either for yourself or, or uh, in, in your development that, that are along these lines of having a big impact on your style and philosophy? Um, you know what? I, I, I can't really put my finger on it. But you know what? There is a good story, though. Uh, so I took a, a workshop with T.J. Uh, Edward not Edward Tosky, That's T.J. Edward Yeah, T.J. Oh man, I you know what? The overall arc of me fucking up names during this podcast. Is, <laughs> yeah. I want to do a supercut because I, I, yeah. I don't. I do not do names well, and I I feel horrible every time. It, and I've tried all those techniques. But anyways, back to the story. So TJ from TJ Dave comes to Detroit and he's teaching a workshop. And I it was right after, you know, I discovered or I think uh, or we just either we discovered that Trust Us is All Made Up exists or maybe it just got onto Netflix or I forgot how. But it was like a big deal to me. You know, other than he's an incredible improviser and and, I, and this is like the second time I'm going to see him in my life. Uh, super excited. Super excited. There's a workshop. Take the workshop. Um, but it's diff. And, you know, since since Detroit is the host of diff, I feel like I'm part of that. You know, like I think Detroit has a great reputation of being great hosts. And I never want to, like, tarnish that um, reputation. Yeah. So we're in class. And I'm not being very active, like not. I mean, I'm active, but I'm not like the first one up, like I would usually would be. Or I, I'm I'm trying to be polite, like a polite guest or a host. Um, but we're we're taking this workshop. It's absolutely amazing. He's got all the like. He's just so incredible. Just to listen to him talk, you know, philosophy. And we get to the end, and you know, we're all sitting in this like. Uh, I think it's like a yoga room. So there wasn't any chairs. We're all sitting on the floor, like hardwood floor. And he's like, he looks at his watch and he's like, oh, well, hey, we're, we're actually ahead of time. Let's do one more exercise. Can I get two up? And because like I've been patient, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go up first this time. So me and uh, Joe Hingleberg get up and he's like, oh, this is like a simple exercise. Um, all you have to do is like the best scene. You just have to do a great scene. And can I get a suggestion? Uh, someone goes, like uh, a great race. suggestion. Race? Yeah, race. Like yeah. like a foot race. So me and Joe do a scene. And, you know, Hingleberg's great to work with. He's one of the most incredible improvisers I've ever met. Um, so I felt I felt good. I'm like, oh, I'm doing a, going to do a scene with Joe. It's just easy. You know, just follow his lead. It's going to be good. Uh, and we, we do a scene and it's. It had an arc. It was fine. And TJ's like, oh, that was, hey, man, good scene. It was, it was good. But what, was it great? I don't think so. Do it again. Make it great. And he didn't give us a note. He just make it great. Make so it great. Again. <laughs> we do a scene again. And, you know, I heightened some things, you know, start playing with it. And like, okay, that was, that was good. Not great. Make it great. We do it again. And he's like, you know, that was pretty great. You know, it's passable. Uh, but let me ask the people on the wall. So he starts 
he starts walking up to people and, you know, when TJ asks you a question, he has a way of pulling out the truth. Like, did you really think that was great? And then, you know, I think person, first person says yes. Second person says no. He's like, well, it wasn't great. Do it again. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So we do it again. And then, and we kept on, and after we kept on doing it and like, and changing things and like I'm using every improv trick and, we, and but he would every time he was like, OK, that's okay that that was different or that was better. Or, you know, after it, he kind of cut side comment, but he wouldn't really offer anything up. And then he would just go down the wall and then uh, everybody would say yay or nay. And the first person and as soon as one person said nay, we'd have to do it again. Like make it better. Like make it honest. Do something. And he wouldn't. And if, me and Joe must have done that 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 scene, and, and, and I'm I'm trying not to overestimate, but at least twenty five times. Really? No, and no way. <laughs> I, I, I I asked Joe. Asked Joe. There was actually one point, like halfway through, that almost everybody said yes, and then the last guy said no. Uh-huh. And he like, and comedically speaking, like if I was going to write a scene, that would be it. But I was like, I was like upset. It was like I went through this emotional roller coaster. Like, how do I, like how do I figure out this puzzle and stuff like that? It was, it was, it wasn't a note, but it was like I don't know something about doing that is, it's draining. It's incredible. But when we finally got everybody on the wall to agree, like it was a great scene. Uh, it was incredible. It was the best feeling ever. One of the best feelings ever. Um, I think what I learned about that, like that exercise is how much work it really takes to make a good scene or, or a great scene. Cause I think sometimes we do rest on our laurels and only put up a good scene when we could have put up a great scene. Sometimes we do rest on all our little tricks that we learn along the way. Sometimes we do that, like respect what you're doing when you're on stage, I yeah. think is what I learned from that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, also how difficult is it to, pressure yourself to please everybody um but what about you anything yeah i guess the last the, the only last thing that came to mind in, in, along these lines is um rachel mason uh in chicago i i took a workshop well it was her and uh susan messing splitting a three-day workshop um intensive oh, sh- it was great, wow, man. Wow, that's awesome. That would a one-two punch there. Yeah, and there's so many things I took away from it. But one of the one of the uh, little nuggets, because um, we we could probably have a whole another conversation about some of the, the stuff that I pulled from. Uh, especially, I mean, they're both so great. But Rachel, I really identified yeah. with um, the way that she communicated a lot of her ideas. Um, I think she's more cerebral, where uh, Susan is more um, a, a, a gut. Uh, I was thinking like they're a great representation of ours. Like not that either one of us are Susan Messing or, but I can see how one would be more appealing to the other person. Like totally, yeah, I am, yeah, I am, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so, so <laughs> it, on one of the um, sessions with Rachel, we were doing an invocation, uh, which is a pretty common herald opener, and. Um, I, I, you know, I want to say what she did was she like set up that like, okay, we're going to do this. And, um, it's a pretty common mistake that happens. Uh, and, but, and if it comes up, I'll point it out. And, um, you know, in an invocation, you, you start by, you get a suggestion of an object and you start by describing it. Uh, and there's layers that you go through, but the first part is to describe it. And, uh, she gave that heads up that like, if there's, if we have this common pitfall, I'll, I'll stop and point it out. And uh, I felt like everyone was nervous. And I, that made me nervous, too. But I was right. like, I'm going to be brave and be willing to be the first one to go. And I'm just going to I'm just going to go for it. Um, and so it was like Christmas tree. And um, I started uh, describing it. Doesn't really matter what it was. Um, there's probably a valuable note in, in uh, the invocation <laughs> somewhere in there. But the more important thing is I described the first piece of description for it. And Rachel goes, that's great. Uh, typically, the pitfall is to do it in this way. And what I like about what you did uh, is that you did this. And uh, and I went, whew, <laughs> as a kind of a joke. And she goes, right. and now you're fired because you didn't believe in yourself. <laughs> uh, that's or, or, awesome. Uh, or maybe it was, uh, and now you're fired because you doubted yourself. <laughs> and I was like, that's... oh. 
You know what I mean? It just, and that, that really yeah. stuck with me for like, um, it's just like this little thing of like, mm-hmm. commit to what you're doing and don't let the, um, don't let yourself get psyched out by expectation or instruction. Just trust yourself to do what you're going to do and be okay if you make a common pitfall or not. It shouldn't make a difference in in your belief in in how you go about the thing you're about to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one last note. I mean, I, maybe like you know what? If we ever do this again, or if this ever comes up again, uh, I would like to just kind of go through those because like, yeah, I've taken those workshops like, God, anything messing says is a, is a, a great note. Yeah. Uh, so that alone should probably be an episode or maybe we'll sprinkle it along the way. Yeah. Uh, but one, one note I give a lot, that's not an improv note. And it's usually one I give for people who are doing their first showdown um, or after like a class show uh, is just say, thank you. When people give you a compliment, Mm, Like, just thank them. Don't explain what was wrong. Don't act, you know, I I know like the, your gut reaction is to be, Oh, thank you. But it's no big deal. Like just, just say thank you and and accept it. Because when someone's trying to give you a compliment, don't make don't punish them for it. Just just thank them, you know? (laughs) And and PJ taught me that. Oh, we all have, we all have. PJ taught me that. And I, and I, you know, I'm talking to our friend uh, RJ Cash. He's he another one he had to give that talk to. And I can see why both me and RJ are, are, are very similar in that way. Like, ah, oh, whatever, man. You know, it was no big deal. You know, like if someone paid for a ticket and gives you a compliment, accept it and, and just be thankful and and accept the, the compliment. Yeah. And honestly, I, I, I do that in my real life now. Like, and it's been awesome like it's a really great way to react because i think i think we it's i don't know some kind of uh i don't know uh something you a learned behavior yeah and it's tied to your self-esteem and it's tied to um acknowledging other people's perspective and not being self-centered it's it's like uh um a courteous exchange and also letting yourself feel um a, a kind word you know yeah, yeah. Or, even if you a, even if you felt like you were off, yeah, enjoy the moment. Yeah. Like you you have a job of entertaining that person. That person comes up to you and says, "Hey, good job. You entertained me." Accept that. Thank them and go yeah. and go out at your business, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe let's see how how much uh, we can keep the momentum going with uh, these oh, yeah. notes because now I got a couple more. Uh, I think this is a Craig Kakowski thing, which is choose to know. Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of like a, it's just a, such a simple rule that can be so effective if you find yourself, um, stagnating in scenes or in scenes that don't go anywhere, um, is that, uh, choose from your character's perspective to, to know. It's also a a nice way to, um, substitute the rule of don't ask questions is to just choose to know, let your character know things know how to do things be an expert on maybe not an expert but like know uh, uh, about subjects and um choose to know your partner have an assumed history with your partner it's just it's very very applicable in a very boiled down neat um slogan kind of like yes and choose to know and i think it's actually something that, that i know you have used um is as an exercise um which is instead of doing the yes and method, you say, I know because. Because. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And that's nice. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's ride this train. Okay. Uh, <laughs> here's one I just thought of. And honestly, it really helped my philosophy as a student. Uh, I had this really great instructor. Her name is Jenny Hagel. Uh, she was, she was on Second City main stage when I was training. Uh, Second City Detroit main stage. Oh yeah, Jenny. I think she's. Yeah, uh, she she's a writer in New York now. I, I think she does a lot of stuff for like Conan, maybe. Um, Seth Meyers. Seth Meyers. Yeah. Names, names. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but yeah, she was one of my favorite teachers because she just had this really cool energy. I and she was just awesome. Uh, and she's actually who I needed 
during that time of my training uh, because she used to do this thing when I would would perform and just keep on repeating best best day ever best idea ever oh my god yes best ever uh, because I think like like many other students coming up we we have a tendency to be negative in a scene trying to while we're trying to create conflict yeah so someone would offer something up and I would uh, honestly poke holes in reality and like oh no like hey let's um, like for example hey let's um, uh, invent a, a hoverboard or let's take our you know better yet hey let's take the hoverboard to work and I'm like no they aren't even invented yet oh that's horrible that you know you break your neck yeah. and she would be like or it's the best day ever and then I'd have to switch my last sentence to like yeah let's take the hoverboard like let's do this and then it would force me to try to figure out how we are riding hoverboards and getting to work you know and then and and help me to pick the more interesting choice and accept it and embrace it you know yeah. and embrace this interesting choice that someone else has made it, it helped me to accept or, or yes <laughs> and then and it you know yeah um did you take that switch committee workshop um i think they've been to diff a couple times i, I don't know how many times they've taught a, a workshop but they're a kind of fast-paced chicago style uh troop that um does a lot of like transformative stuff and like uh yeah i, know, I know who they are I haven't taken their workshop, but I know who they are. They're they're wonderful. Yeah, they they have an exercise uh, called the buddy system, which is just like a, a a mirroring exercise. But they get like five people, uh, and it's like, um, there's be like somebody's gonna gonna uh, push a point of view at the beginning, and and everybody's gonna uh, compound it. Um, and so, if it's like I hate my job or whatever, um, instead of somebody being like, uh, like, Oh, why uh, don't, don't leave or whatever. It's just to be like, yeah, this job sucks. <laughs> and then like, <laughs> and then for the third person uh, to be like, you guys talking about how much you hate this job, man, I could mm-hmm. vent. And you know what I mean? And it's, so it's this buddy. No, I like that. They call it the buddy yeah. system, but, but it's, it's more of like, like a group mind uh, group mirroring exercise. Um, <laughs> and uh, just the option to adopt and mirrors uh, somebody else's thing is, uh, is a really nice option, especially in group scenes where I think that like, it gets very tricky, very fast when people are like, okay, those two are on the same page. I'll be on another page. Um, just to remind yourself that you have the option to, uh, add to it, to just keep adding to the same perspective. And if you do that, even if it's something negative, like I hate my job, um, it puts you in agreement with each other. Um, and it's a, it's a, you versus the world kind of thing, right? Is that like, you can still have a lot to work with um, without it turning to conflict between the the characters. That's awesome. I like that. Uh, Okay. So this reminds, that kind of reminds me of a note that D'Angelo used to give. And it's basically like a philosophy. It's a note. Um, (laughs) There was a little debate there. Uh, (laughs) Um, when you are pimped into doing some kind of skill, do it to the best of your character's ability and just do it. Yeah. So by doing so, that eliminates the the conflict of, hey, do that dance you always do. And, it you know, so apparently in this world that we just created, my character does a dance he always does. So just dance rather than like, no, man, I'm not going to dance today. So that's not an interesting scene because either you are or you aren't, you know? Yeah. So, and if so you're going to dance, the dance, right? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you basically set the scene. So as soon as this guy dances, scene's over. So going back to what we do, don't open that door. Well, yeah. as soon as, well, now we know as soon as I open the door, scene's over. Uh, it, what, and also what it does is stops that thing for people trying to do stuff bad on purpose. Yes, you know, exactly. And which is annoying. I always uh, my favorite metaphor for that is like people who. Uh, God. There's that movie Wedding Crashers and 
they have that that moment where they're sing they're dancing and there's that band that's famous for like swearing or taking love songs or rock ballads and like swearing in it. So like there's that turnaround song. Uh, oh, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. need you more tonight. But he's he swears during it and it's hilarious. And people used to do that, but then like do it bad and like try to like and the first time someone did it, I'm sure they got a laugh. But if you do it every week, it's not funny. And it's just like, and yeah, yeah, honestly, yeah. like it's not that funny when you do it the first time. It, it may be funny for like 30 seconds, but after a while, like no one wants to hear three minutes of you doing something poorly and annoying on purpose. You know, you're you're yeah. just antagonizing. There, there, um, there's more bravery in it, right? There's more bravery right. in 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 vulnerability in yes trying to do something good on purpose as opposed to doing it poorly on purpose. Um, yeah, even if it ends up being bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and again, yeah, that's, that's yeah. one thing that I'm guilty of. And when we talked uh, recently about like my my mischief maker side, and sometimes if I know what I'm supposed to do, I'll. I'll try to be a, a, a curveball, and yeah, sometimes it works. Sometimes it's really funny, um, and I think it's I think it's fine. But like you said, it's like um, it's it's a dangerous habit to be in all the time because uh, I feel like I get into uh, sometimes it's out of a place of ego protection um, and yes. not out of a, a place of mischief and playfulness. Um, and uh, so yeah, it's good to train yourself to be willing to go for it um yeah oh it's like uh oh napoleon dynamite when he does that dance it's not a good dance but my man is going for it yeah. he and it's and it's an iconic moment in that movie like it's great yeah and it's long but it's entertaining yeah you know speaking of uh d'angelo notes um another one that came to mind is he he likes to say um find the pattern play the pattern break the pattern um, yeah. because uh, like you said, if we know, we know the scene is over when X happens, um, you know, sometimes you can only get so, so much mileage out of, even if you have a game playing through it and then eventually you're going to have to deviate from it. And that can be the surprise twist. Um, but that's also like a kind of like a spice move. Um, because again, if, if you break the pattern, too early or immediately break the expectation right. it can be a it can be a swing and a hit or a swing and a fucking miss and um it's true if, and if it's out of habit it might be out of ego protection so yeah um be careful with it but i i do like the idea of like when you find the pattern there's discovery in that and when you play the pattern there's a uh, surprise in doing that cooperatively as improvisers on stage that's a joy for uh people to watch um it's yeah. impressive surprising to get on the same page like that and then when you break the pattern um it's again that uh it's it's what you were saying about the tj um was that scene great and everybody goes online is like yes 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 and it's this built-up anticipation and the last person goes no, no. <laughs> yeah. And you said uh, you said um, if you were going to write that scene, that's how it would go. And uh, yeah, exactly. Sometimes sometimes that's well, yeah, what you need. Yeah. You think about the rule of three. Sometimes the third one is. Is the same pattern just heightened Yeah. or sometimes you're breaking the pattern a third one or you do the third one and you break the pattern a fourth time. Yeah. You know, yeah. But that, that depends on the speed of the game, how how. How much you heighten it by the time you got in there, like all those little, you know, factors. Yeah, um, it's important. Cool, cool. Um, which you're talking about ego reminded me of Jill Bernard because uh, she definitely plays without an ego and she's awesome to watch and probably one of the most supportive teachers or instructors anybody's ever had. Um, yeah. She's just pure joy. Uh, but she does have that exercise dummy ball. Or idiot ball. I can't. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Names. Yeah. Where the whole thing is, you you circle up, and everybody's tossing a ball to each other, <laughs> like, uh, you know. Uh, and the point of it is to not catch it and fail horribly at not catching it, and discovering the fun of trying to do something, and and it's okay to fail, because it's still entertaining. You know, and fail big, you know, yeah. and when and and it's fun to watch how 
at the beginning of the exercise, people are just doing like, oh, like just like uh, barely missing the ball until they like you get like a couple minutes into the game. People are falling. People are throwing themselves like it it, it, itself. Failing becomes the game and it's such a fun game to play. Yeah. And you can't play that game if you have an ego and put that first. Because someone with a big ego has to catch the ball. Yes. As soon as you catch the ball, you're not playing the game. It's funny. It's it, because it's like it's almost like these two kind of opposing things um, that need balance, which is a, a willingness to fail and a willingness to, to try to succeed. Um, because right. what we're saying with the D'Angelo note is that, like, um, go for it. Actually try to rap or to improvise poetry or to dance or whatever. Um, but then on the Joe Bernard side, where it's it's like uh, embrace failure, uh, fail big. Don't try, don't actually yeah. try to catch the ball instead. Um, fail big. And, uh, you, yeah, you got, it's, it's like one, one of the notes that, that I will give with warmups, because I like to do a lot of, um, things that are inherently either impossible or very, very difficult with warmups. Um, and the thing that I'll remind people is, is that like, we're not going to walk out of here as better people if we nail zip, zap, zop. So don't put too much <laughs> investment in the success of it. It's just to give us something to focus on together. And the, the really um, exciting uh, emotions that come out of it are going to be from being so invested that you're in flow and success or failure, it's a great experience um, to engage and try. Okay. If we're, if we're talking about notes we give and maybe the one I give probably, I want to say the most, but one of the ones I love to give, I guess, because it means a lot to me is don't stop doing the thing. Because I to talk, I hate that. Like, if you if you set up all this beautiful object work, don't stop doing the thing. If you get pimped into dancing, don't do a little dance and then stop to to deliver your dialogue. Dance while you're de- de- uh, delivering your dialogue. Don't stop doing the thing. Yeah. Because um, I, you know, you, the we are 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 we talk a lot about like. We talk a lot about what words to choose and when to choose them, but we don't. We got to really respect the fact that it's also a visual art. And if we're doing plays that never been written, we have to pretend like they've been blocked as well. Because when you're rehearsing for a play, yeah. they are being blocked. Yeah. If you go to see a Shakespearean play and everybody just stands there with their hands at their sides and do a talking head Romeo and Juliet, it's not as good as when it's really being performed using the physicality of the characters and, you know, using the stage and the, the landscape to to increase the, the visual interest of the story. Yes. Yeah. So do the thing. Yeah. OK. And that reminds me of uh, of two theater notes. <laughs> from uh that i probably picked up like in high school um which is move with a purpose and um push through the line like just try to try to give uh clean intentional delivery and give clean intentional movement and um if nothing else that's a good thing to to condition yourself to um and uh, like you said, don't stop doing the thing because it, especially when we're improvising, it feels like two separate tasks that we're trying to uh, create and keep in play, the physical aspect and the verbal aspect. But you need to uh, condition yourself to do both if you're going to um, be able to really free yourself up from thinking about either. You, you just have to build the muscle memory and the comfortability with it. So move with a purpose and deliver your lines push through the line with intention. Um, it's a good, it's a really good thing to practice. Uh, yeah, it doesn't always yeah. have to be the way in improv or, or theater. Uh, Cause there's lots of like, you know, fun to be had with false starting and being nervous and stammering and talking over each other and getting messy. But it's a good thing to be able to do, to move with a purpose, speak with intention. Right. Well, it's almost also taking that note, like, I know because or, or like yeah. acceptance, because if you're moving it, do it because you're doing it and you know why. 
Yeah. You, I'm walking across the living room into the kitchen to get a glass of water. I know my purpose. I'm walking with it, you know? Yeah. Totally. I like that. Um, well, unless you got yeah. anything else, I, th- I think that might be a good place to hang it up. <laughs> hang it up. <laughs> Pick it up. I think those, those are great. Yeah. I, I, you know, like Gary did tell us, tell us about the learning curve. So I don't want to give too much in the middle. Or, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was a lot. Yeah. Um, great. Well, I'm glad because we, we were, we, we thought about that question and we were like, uh, well, if we each have like one or two things, that'll probably be a good, um, amount to just offer up. But I feel like that was a nice domino effect of, um, really valuable notes. I, uh, and, and some of which I was getting from you for the first time. So that's cool. Right. Well, I mean, and, and students, uh, think about it this way, <laughs> think about all the things we just didn't remember and it just came to us right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, when you get a note, I think the intention from the note giver is to to help you create a good habit. So take the note. Yeah. It, just because it wasn't delivered mean or, you know, they're doing it because they care. So going back to the note of always just saying thank you, the best way to say thank you is to really consider it. And, hey, sometimes the note you're given doesn't fit for you. Yeah. And that's okay because no one can really tell you how to have your comedic voice. That's for you to develop. Yeah. So taking the note, respect that the person giving it to you is doing it because they want to help or they see something, you know, that you might not see about yourself. Take it in, think about it. If you can apply it, great. Uh, use it and develop it and yeah. make it part of you if you, if you can. Or or take just part of the notes, you know, and, or whatever part of the philosophy speaks to you and adapt it. Um, yeah. And, and honestly, <laughs> you'll sit down 10 years later and think about why did I start doing that? And you might remember that moment. Yeah. Uh, I love but in the meantime, it's not like a voice in your head telling you, here's a checklist of things you need to do in the scene. It just becomes a habit. Yeah. Give it honest consideration and that's enough. Yeah. Um, awesome, man. Well, this has been a great talk and thanks to Ainsley Always, and brother. Kurt for the yes. suggested questions. If you would like to send us your suggestions of questions and topics, you can send us that at uh, improvfaq at gmail.com. Uh, and we are also on social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at improvfaq. Uh, you can comment and engage with, with us there. We would love to hear your questions. As we have said before, we want this to be a community yeah. resource. And that definitely involves students and developing improvisers or improvisers of all levels to just... Uh, yeah get involved and let us know what kind of questions are burning on your mind. Also, let's keep the the conversation going. Are there any notes that you ever received that, that you want to share? Because let, let's learn by committee. Yeah. Like share them, you know, people give you knowledge, spread it. Absolutely. That's how, yeah. Yeah. That's how we learn. <laughs> and uh, until the next time, thanks for tuning into improv FAQ at length. Bye. Bye.